covering sports in the Midwest. It's the Midwest Sports Network. MWSN.net. It's episode 204 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, where there's local sports news for you. We start off with the Hockey Conference champs from the previous weekend. Then we move on to Wright State versus Dayton. And no, we're not just talking about if those two schools should play. Then we move on to college basketball as March Madness lurks nearby. And then warmer thoughts as the 2021 schedules for the Dayton Dragons and the Champion City Kings have been released. A new team in Cincinnati, plus a new broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds? Hmm. Won't hear that on Dayton Radio. You'll hear it here on the local Sunday Sports Podcast, Episode 204. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly audio podcast that covers all sports in Dayton and Cincinnati, Ohio, and the surrounding areas. From Northern Kentucky and the Ohio River up to Lima and Allen County. From Richmond, Indiana and the surrounding Whitewater Valley region to Madison County and surrounding areas. If you want local sports, this is your source. To find your favorite way of listening to this podcast, as well as visiting the Tea Public and Redbubble shops and find the latest episodes, please visit sindaypod.com. This opening theme was created with the Splash app. And now it's time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. This is episode 204. Little news on the podcast now being recorded fully with Hindenburg. It's a program that I've tried now for three episodes and I have deeply enjoyed the features. It's geared towards broadcasters and journalists. So, no more audacity and no more old way of getting the sound to not sound like dirt. So, definitely looking forward to seeing what this program can do. And also looking forward to just talking nothing but Ohio State and what a blockbuster trade is. And and sticking with the Harden trade for months on end. Just kidding. No, we're talking local sports. And... No, no software change is going to change that, but now you know, in case the quality sounds a little bit better. It does give me a better opportunity to put in, you know, fadeaways, segues, and skip to next topic. So hopefully it will sound a lot better, not just the sound quality, but the flow of the podcast episodes. At least that's what my hope is. It could just be me. You know, no, I don't think it's just me. So there we go. Let's begin episode 204. We hit the ice to talk about hockey conference tournaments. Normally the last step to the state playoffs by normally, I mean, it is the last step towards the playoffs. Everyone in the state of Ohio gets in the state playoffs for ice hockey. There's only about 80, 86 teams in the state that are from high schools. So we're going to start with the Capital Hockey Conference first. We will talk about the Junior Varsity Division. Both Cincinnati squads made it into the semis, and both those Cincinnati squads had really nice seasons. But the Mola Crusaders 
We're on the short end of the stick to the Olentangy Liberty Patriots, 3 to nothing, And St. X and the Bombers, the top-seeded Bombers in the Junior Varsity Division, fell just short to Upper Arlington. And for the championship, Olentangy Liberty won in an OT against Upper Arlington, 2-1, to one, making the Patriots of Olentangy Liberty the JV Blue Jackets Cup champions. And now we talk about the varsity side of things. Remember, in the Blue Jackets Cup, varsity has a champion side and a consolation champion side. It just depends how well you do in the regular season. If you're in the blue division, you're playing for the consolation championship. If you're in the red or the first two finishers in the white division, then you have yourselves a spot in the top champion bracket. Let's begin with the Consolation Championship. It's the St. Xavier Bombers as the top seed. No, I'm sorry. The second highest seed in the Consolation Brackets. They knock off New Albany 7-4 to hoist the Consolation Championship Cup. So congrats go out to Coach Bove and the Bombers for that success. The Bombers outscore New Albany 7-4 in the championship. St. X had a bye. They took on Worthington Kilborn and shut out the Wolves 7-0 and then battled hard against Devlin Kaufman 3-2 before setting up the New Albany side of things. The Eagles of New Albany also had a first-round bye. They took on St. Francis de Sales and defeated the Stallions 9-1, which set up the next battle against Olin Tangi, who, by the way, defeated Springboro 5-2. It was the Eagles soaring over the Braves of Olentangy, 5-2. And then New Albany fell just short in the Consolation Championship bracket to St. Xavier. Now we talk about the championship. One Cincinnati area team made it to the top eight. That would be the Mullah Crusaders. However, they were squashed in the first game against Olentangy Liberty, 3-1. However, Liberty would be best in the next game against Upper Arlington, 2-1. Golden Bears won it in three overtimes at the Ice House. And for the championship, another close affair, but the top-seeded St. Charles Cardinals could not take the cup home. It was Upper Arlington, the two-seed, with a 4-2 upset on the cards. And I know what you're thinking. That's no ruin an upset. Now, two over one, what would you call it then? So there you go. Upper Arlington, I believe this is the second or third straight time they've won the CBJ Cup. Golden Bears have themselves quite the program. Not an undefeated season like last year, but you know what? They got the season in. They battled hard. They got the two seed. That tells you how tough the Golden Bears are. St. Charles on the other side, fantastic season. Just coming a little short against their Ice House foes in Upper Arlington. So that's your Blue Jackets Cup. Your winners again, JV, all on Tangier Liberty. Your consolation champs are St. Xavier and your Champions are the Upper Arlington Golden Bears. That takes care of the Capital Hockey Conference. Go back to episode 203 if you'd like to hear about the state playoffs in ice hockey. We cover that to an exquisite detail. And now we talk about the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League Tournament, which was held primarily at South Metro Sports, but one game did take place at the Northland Ice Center, and I believe we covered that game, Mason defeating Elder, the three-seed besting the sixth seed 9-3. So for the championship, it's the number one Beaver Creek Beavers. They hoist the cup as they take down their Kettering Recreation Center foes and Alter 3-2. And this is something that I mentioned. Beaver Creek and Alter 
definitely the teams you want to beat in the Swashel just because how much, you know, Beaver Creek, they train a lot. They got that military kind of workmanship on them. Whereas Alter, great depth and a great hockey team. Both Coach Barry of Alter and Coach Gutterman of Beaver Creek should be very proud of their teams. Beaver Creek defeats Alter 3-2 to to hoist the cup. Last year, the Beavers fell short to Talawanda. I believe that was an 8-1 to finisher for the Brave. But Beaver Creek's path, they got a first-round bye. They took on Troy and defeated the Trojans 7-2 in the 1-4 versus four battle. Alter took on the Mason Comets. By the way, Troy took down Sycamore 3-1 to at South Metro to move on to the second round, or the semis even. Whereas Mason, they took on Alter, and the Knights poured on seven goals against the Comets to win by five, seven to two. So again, Beaver Creek, the champs. Now, what does it mean if you're a champ of your, you know, of your conference tournament? Well, you get a trophy, but in terms of state playoffs, nothing. Because like I said, all the schools in Ohio that have ice hockey, they get to play in the playoffs. Now, this year, no two divisions, which that's been a hot-button topic. Definitely, if you listen to the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast, that's a common topic, especially for the schools that might not have the resources that many of the other Northern Ohio schools do. But, hey, there you go. So, normally we stick to high school hockey, and I don't think that's fair. It's not because, no, uh, youth hockey is just bleh. You know, that that's just taken away from high schools. No, that's not the case. We are going to talk about the Dayton Stealth. Now, the reason why we don't talk Dayton Stealth is just because of the fact, well, when I was broadcasting hockey, we didn't really see Dayton that much. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's the big reason why. It's not because I don't want to talk about Dayton Stealth. On the contrary, they're part of the local sports scene. So they definitely need some air time. So let's talk about the Dayton Stealth. They came into the varsity side of the CBJ Cup. Yes, there's another Columbus Blue Jackets Cup. And this is from the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League. A little bit difference between the OSHL and high school hockey is if you go to that school that has hockey, you have to play there. If you go to a school that doesn't offer ice hockey, you can play for the Dayton Stealth. So, you know... Centerville, Alter, Beaver Creek, Troy, uh, Sycamore, Mason, Elder, St. X, Moeller, those schools that field ice hockey teams, you're not able to go on, you know, an Ohio Scholastic hockey team or, you know, a youth hockey team, we should say. Now, however, if you go to a school, let's say Miamisburg, Northmont, Valley View, Twin Valley South, it'd be nice if we see some hockey fans in West Alexandria, but who knows? Uh, you go to a school that doesn't have ice hockey, there's your option. Uh, some of the differences are, instead of going by OHSAA rules, it goes by USA Hockey rules, which makes sense. I mean, you're high school students, but you're not really playing with a high school team. You get what I'm saying there? I hope you do, because that's as clear as I can kind of explain it. But... Dayton Stealth, they're in the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League. You might remember that league being called the Greater Columbus High School Hockey League, something like that, tons of letters. Now it's just called the Ohio Scholastic Hockey League, which I love the new name. 
It's gchschl.net, the old league site now just called the OSHL, which is a lot cleaner to say. Anyway, going to the varsity side of things, the Dayton Stealth were your top seed. And I saw this Dayton Stealth team once before against Springboro. Real deal. Great coaching, great players, really good offensive attack, just very balanced. It's a tough team to slow down. And in fact, no one could slow down the Dayton Stealth as Dayton flies to the CBJ Cup Varsity Championship over the Hilliard Wildcats 6-2. So congrats go out to Dayton. The path that Dayton took, well, they got a first-round bye. They took on the Westerville Wildcats, Warcats, excuse me. The Wildcats are Hilliard, which is a different part of Columbus. Anyway, Westerville Warcats, which I love the name. Yes, there are three high schools in Westerville, if you follow Columbus high school sports, but none of the three offer hockey. Therefore, Westerville has, you know, you've hockey program, you play in Westerville, you could play with the Warcats. Also, really great color scheme, too. Red, gold, and I think black. My favorite colors there. Your taste might vary. Anyway, Westerville defeated the Northeast Storm 7-2 to move into the game against Dayton. And the Warcats had little response against Dayton's high-flying offense. It was Dayton 11, Westerville 1. On the other side, Hilliard took down Newark and the Generals 5-1. Again, probably one of my favorite color schemes and just, just all-around naming the Newark Generals. Of course, Newark, outside Columbus, towards the east. Olive green, some of the jerseys had stencil, like military stencil fonts, but most of the new ones don't. But I, I dig the name, so they, they did a nice job with identification there. Anyway, Hilliard knocks off Newark 5-1, to one, but not before Newark knocks off PHA Prowlers 6-1. to one. I believe PHA is uh, Pickerington. Is it Pickerington or is it Pickerington? Someone let me know on that. Anyway, Dayton won 6-2 against Hilliard at the Ice House to hoist the CBJ Cup. Means Dayton's got a brand new shiny trophy. It's, like I said, seeing the Stealth a couple times, yeah, absolutely excellent team. And definitely see my good friend Gary Dixting coming back to coach. That was nice. It was nice talking to him during the season. And we'll tell you in the regular season, the Stealth, well, <laughs> apparently there's only two games that the Stealth played. I can tell you that is not correct. Let's go to myhockeyrankings.com. In the meantime, we're going to swing on down to the Kentucky High School Hockey League where our good friend Jamie Antelo, he's the head coach of the Northern Kentucky Norse. Again, no connection with NKU. Which is a shame. NKU could use some hockey. The Norsemen, as they're now called, 11-1-1 in 23 games by scoring 99 goals and allowing 12. 12 is tied for the lowest with Owensboro, who's in second place by half a game. And the 99 is 12 better than second place Owensboro. So again, NKY, fantastic offense, fantastic coaching and kids. That is a hockey team you need to see. Something that really excited me, uh, pulling up the standings in the KHSHL, there's a couple more teams, because last time I checked, last year was, what, six? Something like that? New to the Kentucky High School Hockey League, 
you have the Charleston, West Virginia Chiefs. Who owns the Chiefs? You have the Cincinnati Lancers, formerly known as the LaSalle Lancers. LaSalle High School didn't want ice hockey, so it got absorbed into the swords. And now it's the Cincinnati Lancers. And I feel like there was one more. I guess not. So in the league, other than Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati, you have the Louisville Metro team, which is not a high school. In fact, there's only two high schools that carry the sport in Kentucky. You have the Evansville Thunder, which is, again, not a high school in Evansville, I can assure you. Even though I know a little bit about Evansville, they have more than one high school. Promise. You have the Owensboro Rampage, who play at the Sports Center. That's a great name for a rink. And your two high school teams, you have, oh, by the way, the Lexington Thoroughbreds, which was actually a combination of two high school teams in Lexington. And then they kind of folded into the Central Kentucky hockey program. Two high schools, the Louisville St. Xavier Tigers and the Trinity Shamrocks. Trinity normally comes up and they'll take on Centerville sometimes. So they're a fairly common opponent up here in Southwest Ohio. But not as common as Northern Kentucky or the Cincinnati Lancers because, you know, they're both kind of in Southwest Ohio. So, yeah, Norse, thir- um, 13 games played, 11 1 and 1. That one's a tie. Owensboro in second place. One less game played by the Rampage at 10-1-1. Trinity 10-2-1. Charleston 6-7. Evansville 6-10. Lexington 5-7-1. Louisville Metro 4-5-1. Cincinnati Lancers 3-11-1. And St. Xavier 1-12. So that's your look at the Kentucky High School Hockey League. In case you're wondering about when their tournament is, well, it won't be for some time. Remember, this is the state body of ice hockey in Kentucky. Not a lot of schools have ice hockey. And in fact, like I mentioned, there was only two high schools in Louisville, Trinity and St. Xavier. It's so weird. There's two St. Xavier's we talk about in this podcast, but that's okay. So where will this tournament be held? Well, March 5th through 7th at Owensboro, Kentucky, the 2020-21 KHS HL State Tournament will be held there, and Owensboro looks to defend the Cup as last year's state champions on their home rink. Pretty nice setup for the Rampage. Although, funny story, uh, before COVID shut down everything, of course, Norfolk, Kentucky actually went to play in the Nationals, which, by the way, something in you know between high school hockey and youth hockey, there's no really state playoffs and youth hockey because you're not state affiliated. Instead, if you are your winner in the state, you get to represent your state in the U.S. Nationals, which is something the Stella have done a couple years back. Northern Kentucky's done multiple times. It is a really big honor. And, you know, best of luck to Coach Antello. And it is pretty nice to see the edge ice center is it no longer called sports center that's disappointing maybe it is but so what were we looking at at my hockey rankings that's right the dayton stealth let's pull that up here now when you go to my hockey ranking remember there is high school and there is youth especially in ohio so we want usa hockey which is your dayton stealths your lancers and everything 
Dayton only had a year of uh, 35-3-2. That's 35 wins, 3 losses, and 2, I assume, overtime losses? Maybe ties? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, I, I'd say that's a good year, wouldn't you? I, I'm curious what the losses were. I feel like they played a very tough team. Sylvania Northview in overtime. They're a pretty good team up north in Toledo. Culver Academy's Varsity A squad at the Henderson Ice Arena. That's another loss. There was a tie against Upper Arlington. And now the next opponent for the Dayton Stealth will be a couple days, eight days from now, against the Fremont Ice Wolves at the Chilla North Cincinnati Swords and then the Canton Akron Jets. I think this is when the Stealth try to battle and get representation for the Nationals for the state of Ohio. So, yeah, pretty much Dayton Stealth, fantastic year. Number one in USA Hockey in Ohio and number three of all teams in the state. Now, I got to double check that. St. Edward Gold is your top team. They got a 22-3-2 record. Before you complain, well, but St. Edward hasn't played as many games. Remember, it's another difference. USA Hockey, you don't have that, you know, you don't have that restriction. Whereas in high school hockey, you're limited to 30 games in a year. Play more than you walk the plank. No, you can't play more than 30. So there you go. Also, St. Francis of Sales out of Toledo, 25-3-2. They're second place. Those are your two teams ahead of the Dayton Stealth. And the Stealth are ahead of St. Ignatius, who's 15-8-4, and looking for their fifth straight hockey title. So there is your comprehensive look at ice hockey in southwest Ohio, northern Kentucky, and central Ohio. State playoffs start this upcoming weekend for high school teams in Ohio. And now it's time to talk Wright State versus Dayton. I know your immediate thought. Oh, great. This hack's going to talk about it. Why can't anyone just shut up about it? Well, because it kind of is a big deal. Let me tell you, between Wright State and Dayton, it's about, on a good day, maybe 15 minutes apart. I mean, just separated by 35. I honestly think there's no reason why Wright State and Dayton shouldn't play in everything. In fact, I am pro UD and Wright State play in everything. And you know what? I'll announce, broadcast anything with Wright State Dayton. You can put a stitching team, like a knitting team, together for Wright State Dayton. I'll broadcast that. You know, Wright State Dayton, some great rivalries in there. Unfortunately, there's a couple that can't be reintroduced at this time. Wright State having no softball team, that's out. And I pray that's a temporary, you know, cut. But I don't know. Uh, Dayton never had swimming. Well, my time of following sports, Dayton's never had swimming. Wright State's had the program. But Wright State doesn't have a swimming team. They haven't for a couple of seasons now. So what happened this past week, earlier, uh, Tuesday in fact, Wright State needed a foe to face since Youngstown State wasn't able to come in from Northeast Ohio. You know, all that lovely winter snow and ice. And yes, you can make fun of the meteorologists that said, oh, we're going to get like 20 billion inches of snow. But 
you know, that's a tough job. And if you honestly can't do it, then, you know, give them a little slack. They're going off models that change constantly. Weather is such a changing thing. Why am I talking about weather? I'm sorry. Anyway, Wright State was supposed to take on Youngstown State for two. And that couldn't happen. So the Raiders wanted an opponent. And they got one. The Dayton Flyers. Let me tell you about both these volleyball programs. We'll start with Dayton. The one team to beat in the Atlantic 10. Weirdly enough, in the A-10, not every school has volleyball. In fact, I think a little over half do and the rest don't. It just feels like volleyball doesn't have all the teams involved in it, which I always thought was weird, but whatever. Yeah, Coach Tim Horsman, great guy, and also great coach, and the Dayton Flyers, just absolute great volleyball program. There's history there, and just strong. Now we look at the Wright State Raiders. Before Allie Matters' tenure started at WSU, a couple years here and there where Wright State volleyball was tough, but most of the years, mm. whereas with Allie Matters taking a hold of the program, for the first time ever, they won the Horizon League regular season title last year and got an at-large bid back in the playoffs, which was the first time ever for Wright State Athletics, according to their social media team. So, yeah, it's an up-and-up program, whereas you know Dayton's been strong for a long time now. Wright State's getting there. So, you have two strong programs collide, and let me tell you about it. And if you're wondering, well, wait, you're talking about volleyball? It's February, isn't it? I'm not listening to an old episode. Well, you're not, unless you're listening to it, you know, not during February 2021, for some reason. Fall sports are played in February, March, and playoffs in April, just to kind of help get the athletes back on the field, back in the court. Volleyball is perfect, because it's a sport that needs the court at a precise temperature. Everything's got to be inside. Let me tell you about soccer. (laughs) oh man you gotta be tough to play soccer especially in these conditions i i applaud all the athletes in soccer especially in the northern part of the states you got snow that needs to be dealt with you got cold i mean just in fact my first scheduled well the second scheduled broadcast i had for wright state soccer got moved to mason at the wall-to-wall sports complex to, you know, go inside and play. Unfortunately, I didn't get to broadcast that. But, you know, stuff happens. Anyway, the Dayton Flyers defeated the Wright State Raiders in this volleyball match three sets to two. You know, if you go back, really the only set that Dayton dominated was set one. They just got off to a great rhythm of Wright State too big of a hole to climb out of. They, I think they tied or got within two, but Dayton finished the rest of the way. Like I said, Dayton's a great team. and Historically, they're a strong program, whereas Wright State's building on that. You know, it's something that the Raiders haven't had in quite some time. So I hope Wright State and Dayton play each other year after year after year. There is a common component that I haven't talked about as well. 
On the coaching staff for Wright State, I mentioned Allie Matters, the head coach. Dan O'Keefe is the assistant. Well, let's double-check that before I finalize that. He was the assistant, if he's not there anymore. No, he's still there. Great. Dan O'Keefe was an assistant coach, or actually, was he assistant coach? Was he video? Was he doing intern? He was part of Tim Horseman's staff. And when Allie Matters got hired, O'Keefe was brought in from UD to Wright State. So that's that's a nice piece that I like thinking about as well. So the Flyers won set one, 25-19, set three, 25-21, and set five, 15-13. This is after Wright State was ahead four. I think it was 13-9 before the Flyers finished the job to take the match away from Wright State. This is Wright State's first loss. The Raiders fall to six and one. UD went to two and one. In case you're wondering about like two and one. Well, the Flyers took on a doubleheader against St. Louis in Missouri. And they split. And apparently the one where St. Louis pulled off a big upset at home, that was the only one that counted for A-10 records. I get to announce UD Volleyball, I think, next Friday. So, looking forward to seeing the Flyers volleyball team for the first time in years. Trying to think when the last time Wright State and Dayton played on the volleyball court. I think I announced it, actually. Or it was during a holiday tournament. Or fall tournament. I'm trying to think. It's been a couple years, at least. Now, I'll go back to my initial thought. Wright State and Dayton should play each other in everything they can. And hopefully this is the beginning of kind of patching up that relationship. So, you know, maybe we won't get the Gem City Jam right off the bat. I mean... Men's basketball, they haven't played since 1997, December 97. Ed Schilling was in his first year at Wright State, and I believe Oliver Purnell was still at UD before Brian Gregory came along. I'm not hitting that hornet's nest. I'm not saying it should be played when it totally should. But what I am saying is, why aren't the Flyers and Raiders playing in everything else? I understand the story of women's basketball, but it's been a couple years, and both coaching staffs are pretty much gone from both institutions. So why not rekindle that? I'd love to see Dayton's team go against Wright State's team. I think that'd be a real fun matchup to witness. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know who would win that, honestly. I, I, I think that'd be a real fun matchup, and I don't, I don't see any blowouts. Now, the counter-argument you could offer is, but, Lee, isn't that series like Dayton 40 and Wright State 4? Yes. But, you know, rekindle the rivalry. See what you got. That's my take on it. I won't touch on men's basketball too much more, although it should be played. You know, I I hear the arguments, and I get them, but men's soccer, women's soccer, why aren't they playing? Men's soccer is a great rivalry. I forget what it is, but it's fairly close. Women's soccer is... Um, it's not quite the mark on women's basketball, but it's its up there for the Flyers. I'm trying to think what volleyball is. It's been so long since I looked at a media guy and it's like, oh, these are all the records. I mean, baseball, definitely, it's right state all the way. Softball, I believe, was right state too. That might have been closer than baseball, but I don't remember. 
tennis, Wright State doesn't field the sport anymore, so that's another, you know, opportunity out. Golf, they'll battle at the NCR uh, Country Club. I think they might go to Heatherwood, too, to battle that. That's great. I- I'd love to talk more about that, but the the reality is I'm not familiar with golf. It's the one sport that I probably won't watch as much just because it is boring to watch on TV. Let's be real here. But you get what I'm saying. Why aren't the Raiders and Flyers playing in everything else? You know what? Take the Gem City Gym out of the equation. Just have a good local rivalry, you know? I think it's time we see red and blue versus green and gold on the field, Wright State versus Dayton for the city of Dayton. So we talk about Wright State, Dayton, and right now with COVID still affecting everything, we're probably not going to see Wright State, Dayton in college baseball this year, which is a shame. I hope that next year, if things get normalized, we will. I'm hoping for soccer, we will. Volleyball, I hope this blooms into something else. Or it could have just been a one-time thing where, hey, we're just playing once, need a team. Thank you very much. Good luck with everything. So that is Wright State versus Dayton. Surprised that it wasn't just all men's basketball and beating that hornet's nest to a pulp, aren't you? And speaking of hoops, it's college basketball time. And we're going to talk about all six Division I programs in Southwest Ohio and Northern Kentucky. And we start off with the Wright State Raiders. I see nothing better to start off with and Northern Kentucky. In fact, for men's basketball and women's basketball, this is the last regular season weekend before the HL tournament takes place. We're going to start off with women's basketball, as yours truly will get to announce Wright State Green Bay coming up Friday at 2. And I believe that will be on streaming somewhere, ESPN3, which you need a cable subscription, or ESPN Plus, where you pay about 5 bucks a month and you can watch pretty much anything that's on ESPN+. So the Wright State Raiders in women's basketball, 15-3 and in conference play and 15-5 and overall, winners of 6 straight. I was a little worried when Wright State was swept at Robert Morris. I thought, well... Play for the highest seed you can in the tournament. And what do the Raiders do in women's basketball? Turn it around and take the lead on that Horizon League mountain. So current standings look like this. Wright State 15-3, top of IUPUI at 11-3, the Jaguars. Green Bay 12-4, that's the next opponent at the Nutter Center for WSU. Then we got Milwaukee 13-5. They recently snapped a long losing streak. They dropped the series to Northern Kentucky and dropped the series at Wright State. Swept both times. Oakland 11-7. Northern Kentucky is 6-4 and 6-9 overall. The Norths were actually on top with a 6-0 record. But since then, Northern Kentucky has lost four in a row. Youngstown State 8-6. Cleveland State 7-7. Robert Morris 3-11. Detroit Mercy, remember their season got 
stopped. And I don't really want to bring that topic up because I was seriously angry after talking about it. Detroit Mercy finishes 1-9, UIC 1-11, and Purdue-Fort Wayne 0-18 and 0-20 overall. So, Wright State on top, and Nova Kentucky now in 6th place in the Horizon League with Green Bay coming in to face the Raiders. I mentioned this plenty of times. If you want to be the woman, you got to beat the top woman in charge, and that is been Green Bay. So Green Bay, like I mentioned, I, you know, it might not be as strong of years as it's been in the past for the Phoenix. Like I mentioned, their third place, the Phoenix, 12-4. and four. If Green Bay sweeps, that will put them at 14-4, and four. Wright Stable fall to 15-5. and five. You know, I'll be quite honest, I don't know how this is all going to shake out thanks to, you know, COVID and everything. And we'll talk about men's basketball in a minute, but oh, this is last year's. Let's not look at last year's and say that's going to happen. I don't think the Horizon League is interested in splitting the title. As we'll talk about men's basketball, currently Cleveland State's got the number one seed in the bracket. Whereas Wright State's number two, but both are tied for first. So, yeah, figure that one out. And if you wonder why Cleveland State's got the higher seed or the better seed of the two, it's because third place Oakland, they were swept by Cleveland State, but they split with Wright State. So the Vikings have the leg up and that standings. For Wright State to take the title of the regular season championship, the Raiders, one win, splitting it, be 16-4, and four, whereas Green Bay would be 13-5. and five. So yeah, Wright State needs one of those games. And you know what? Green Bay's a tough customer. They've always been. Coach Borsif has done a great job with the UWGB program since stepping on campus for the first time in 1998. And that's when things really started to happen. Yes, there was a five-year gap where Borsif was over at the University of Michigan. Not Tatun or Tathun. It's not funny. Stop it. By the way, M is a letter. You can stop with the X's now. It's been several months. Other than the five-year stop for Borsif, which was okay. Not splendiferous. He went back to Green Bay. And Phoenix have just been a well-oiled machine. For Wright State, they've been strong for the past few years, and it's great to see Coach Katrina Merriweather's got a great program, and I think Wright State can win the Horizon League. I think they need one win. Let's look at the weekly release and see. For Nova Kentucky, even if they sweep their foe, that only put them at 8-4. So let's look. By the way, Nova Kentucky will be visiting Oakland for two. Milwaukee's at UIC. Robert Morris is at Purdue-Fort Wayne in the battle of the newcomers in the HL. Green Bay's at Wright State, and Cleveland State's at Youngstown State for the Northern Ohio flavor battle thing. So in case you're wondering, at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum, March 8th and 9th, will be the basketball championships for women and men's. I'm looking through the release, trying to see, you know, situations. There are some really nice tidbits. Wright State really dominant on the glass. Both men's and women's. Men's, I think, was leading the nation, whereas women's six in rebounds per game, about 17 per game. 
That's outstanding. Seventh in rebounding margin. Fourth in total rebounds. Yeah. I'd say that's getting it done on the glass. And that's a real strong part about basketball as well. So, so in case you're wondering why there's a big you know, hoop and ante about you know, finishing first, teams that finished the regular season in the top four will earn a bye to the quarterfinals and a home game on March 2nd with the opportunity to advance to Indy from its home floor. The number five seed will play at the number four seed in the women's quarterfinals. Teams that finish the regular season 6-8 through eight will host the first-round games on their own campus on the 25th. And, yeah. So the season, the championship will be seeded, utilizing a formula that has league-winning percentage, strength of schedule, winning road wins versus home wins. Now, road wins are pretty important. And number of league games played. Right now, your bracket looks like this. I think Wright State's got a nice shot to win the overall number one seed. And there's really no situations, which I'm disappointed on, honestly. It's like, if Wright State sweeps, then, you know, they get it, which I think is pretty obvious. The Phoenix, they've won four straight. They swept Northern Kentucky at NKU, and they swept UIC at home. Pretty decisively, I should mention, against UIC, but Flames are towards the bottom of the table. Whereas the Northern Kentucky series, quite close. 63-56, 62-58. That's pretty well done. Some of the splits that Green Bay has suffered, they split against IUPUI, who's pretty good in women's sports, women's soccer, women's basketball. I think softball they're pretty good at. I might be misremembering volleyball if I haven't mentioned that. What really hurts the Phoenix, though, to start off conference play, they were swept at home by Milwaukee. I haven't seen Milwaukee sweep the Phoenix, I think, since college. Because it used to be, okay, it's either Milwaukee or Green Bay. If you beat them, then we'll throw you a party. But it's normally the Panthers or the Phoenix that's going to be the number one seed. But things have turned around, which I I dig. Well, of course, I'm a Wright State alum, so, you know, I would say that, wouldn't I? Yeah. Scrolling through the schedule real quick. I'm still hoping that there's, like, if Wright State wins, then, you know, they get it. But really, there's nothing. So that's my big guess. If Wright State can win at least one against Green Bay, then I think the Raiders, you know, get the regular season title and number one seed. I'd say go for the sweep of Green Bay to make it, you know, even more lock-type safe. But uh, that's me. I'm... I'm kind of crazy on that thing. I think, you know, sweeping your opponents are a good thing. Now let's move on to men's basketball in the Horizon League. We'll handle women's and men's in the conferences, and then we move on to our next subject, which is baseball. So for men's basketball, I mentioned Cleveland State is the top seed right now, and Wright State would be the second seed if we don't have a weekend this weekend, if we don't have games this weekend. For Cleveland State... I think they got a little bit easier of a battle. They have Purdue-Fort Wayne in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yes, it's two 
road games from the standings, Purdue-Fort Wayne is 5-13. and Whereas Wright State, guess what time it is? You know how I said Wright State and Dayton's a great rivalry? And if I didn't, Wright State and Dayton's a great rivalry? Wright State, Northern Kentucky time! Woo! And that means all the Northern Kentucky Norse makes stupid, you know, cracks about Wright State wrong school! Ha! I'm so hilarious. Yeah, I'm sure people thought that up in the 60s. Get a new stick. Anyway, Wright State will be at Northern Kentucky at the BB&T Arena. Fantastic arena, by the way. I recommend going there once. Just once. I recommend going there if you haven't been already. So Northern Kentucky, they'll play on the 19th at 6 and on the 20th at 5. That is Friday at 6. Saturday at 5, a little bit earlier than what the games are normally going for Wright State. But the Raiders, they haven't lost a game since that first battle against Cleveland State on January 15th, where the Vikings won on a buzzer-beater dunk, and then Wright State just savages the Vikings 85-49 the next day. And then the Raiders haven't lost since. Swept at... swept. IUPUI on the road, swept Robert Morris at home, swept UIC on the road, swept Milwaukee at home, although both games, oh, the Panthers. I, I've i always said the Wisconsin teams are the ones you need to beat, and when you do, you're in, you're in good hands. I don't know what it is. It's just, it, it seems like that's the toughest opponent, it was the toughest opponent for Wright State in the Horizon League when I was in college. Nowadays, you know, you know Wright State can hold their own. So it's not like, oh, God, we're going to Wisconsin. Oh, no. Northern Kentucky hosting Wright State. They're 10-6 and six in league play, currently in third place, which I thought Oakland was the higher seed. I guess they weren't. Golden Grizzlies are 9-9. Nine nine. The Norths are 10-6 and six and 12-9 and overall. Northern Kentucky's side looks like this. It's been, it's been a good year. A little rough start for the Norse to begin things. The Norse split the series against Youngstown State at home. Could not play against Oakland. In fact, that series got wiped off the map. Swept Purdue-Fort Wayne at home. Lost both games at Cleveland State. First one was no contest. Second one was an overtime affair loss. Swept at home against IUPUI, which I think... Well, both those were really close losses to the Jags, but I think that was like the moment where I looked and was like, you okay, NKU? You lost to IUPUI twice? And that's not cracking on IUPUI. There's good athletes there, but the situation with IUPUI just astounds me. IUPUI, short for Indiana U, Purdue U, Indianapolis. U is university, in case you didn't get that. So, they're led by Indiana University. Meaning, IUPUI wanted to get a new men's basketball head coach. They still have their interim from the previous year. But Indiana University had a freeze, a hiring freeze during the coronavirus pandemic. So IUPUI could not hire anyone new. Yeah, that sucked. I mean, I I feel bad for IUPUI. It's just, that's not in their control. They wanted to hire someone new and they can't because Indiana said no. Indiana, you said no. Anyway, back back on that story. It's it's a big hoo-ha. A sweep at Robert Morris for the Norse. A sweep at home against UIC. This is where the Norse start to pick up speed. 
a sweep against Milwaukee on the road. They did split the series against Green Bay. The first one was an overtime loss. And now Wright State comes into the BBNT. Like I said, Wright State Nova Kentucky, I think, is just the best rivalry in the Horizon League. Yeah, that's right. That's right, Wisconsin. That's right, Youngstown State, Cleveland State. It's not you guys. It's Wright State Nova Kentucky. And in fact, when people talk about when Wright State makes the jump out of the Horizon League, which, I mean, with the coronavirus, I don't know when that'll happen. I think it'll happen eventually, but... It's been talks when Wright State leaves, Norfolk, Kentucky's going to leave too. That just shows you how you know close knit the two are, despite you know neither fan base liking each other that much. So Wright State at Norfolk, Kentucky Raiders seventeen and four, and Norfolk, Kentucky twelve and nine overall, and the Raiders have won nine in a row. Like I said, Cleveland State is on the road, just like Wright State is, but Wright State just has to take care of business. Not worry about what Cleveland State's doing. Take care of business. Sweep Norfolk, Kentucky there. And you got yourself pretty nice setup. By the way, Wright State, number seven, the latest collegeinsider.com mid-major poll. Which, uh, yeah, it's a great ranking. Great mid-major team, Wright State. And also, the Raiders are receiving votes in the AP poll. Raiders on a nine-game winning streak, tied for the longest in the HL this season. If the Raiders win Friday, that will be the longest stretch of the year for any Horizon League team. Third best rebounding team in the country. About 42.5 boards per game. Yeah, that's outstanding. And definitely you can thank Senior Loudon Love with his responsibilities in the paint. 16th in the country in scoring, about 82 points per game. And also 22nd in the country in shooting percentage at about 49%. 48.8 is the exact number. Defensively, 18th in the country for Wright State and defensive field goal percentage. Teams normally shoot about 40% against the Raiders. And first in the HL in scoring defense at 653 So, yeah, uh, Scott Nagy's done a wonderful job. He recently picked up his 100th win at Wright State this season. I definitely think the Raiders, I mean, I, I never want to take Norfolk, Kentucky for, you know, I never want to say Norfolk, Kentucky is just a cakewalk because it, 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 they aren't. They're a good team. But at the same time, the way Wright State's gelling and playing, I know the series against Milwaukee was a little bit rough. But, you know, I, I, like, I like Wright State. I honestly do. I think the Raiders will have a pretty nice advantage. However, Norfolk, Kentucky, they won seven of their last eight and 10-6 and in Horizon League play and looking to leapfrog Oakland for the number three seed, depending, well, Cleveland State swept them, so Wright State's got to sweep them to have a shot at the number one seed. Let's look through the weekly release. This is on HorizonLeague.org, by the way. So... Again, they go through the championship seeding, utilizing league winning percentage, strength of schedule, road wins, home wins, and league games played. So, I, I think, you know, take care of business. I think Wright State has a good shot, but, you know, even if you don't get the top seed, you know, battle hard, win as a two seed. You know, I think Wright State is capable of doing that. 
And now we move on from Wright State to Dayton. And we talk about the Atlantic 10 Conference. We start off with women's basketball. Another great year for Coach Shauna Green and the Dayton Flyers. The Flyers are coming off a really tough win against VCU, who was actually picked to win the Atlantic 10. The Flyers have won 11 straight. That's 11 straight conference games for UD. And they sit firmly on top of the mountain at 11-0. 12-1 overall for UD. Second place, the Fordham Rams, 8-2. Rhode Island, 8-3. St. Louis, 7-3. Richmond and VCU, 7-4. Hey, they share Virginia. Then they share, what is that place? Fifth place? Yeah, it looks like it. You have UMass, 6-4. LaSalle, 6-7. Davidson, 4-7. St. Bonaventure 4-9, St. Joseph's 3-7, Duquesne 2-5, George Washington 3-9, and, and George Mason 0-12. So what's left for the Flyers? I know there's one home game left, and it's against SLU, St. Louis. The Flyers will get to host St. Louis on the 20th this Saturday at 2, before battling at Fordham and at Davidson. At Fordham, they did not... Get to visit UD Arena. That was postponed. And you can thank a COVID shutdown on UD's side for that. At least I think that was on UD's side. Has to be. The Flyers missed five straight games. So St. Louis coming in. This is a thought I have. And if I'm off balance, Flyer fans, feel free to chirp at me. Is Dayton-St. Louis the big rivalry in the A-10 still? I was thinking about that. I mean... Don't get me wrong, Dayton-St. Louis, great rivalry. In fact, yeah, I, I put it up there with Wright State, Northern Kentucky. But would you consider Dayton-VCU as the bigger rivalry nowadays? I mean, it always seems like Dayton-VCU battling for the top. I mean, that's not always the case, but baseball, volleyball, women's basketball, men's basketball, normally... I, I mean, again, I don't want to take away from the Dayton-St. Louis rivalry because that's a fantastic rivalry. In fact, it's the only rivalry with the two schools not remotely near an ocean. Well, I guess Duquesne, but hey, I'm making a point here. So, St. Louis, good women's basketball team. I mentioned 7-3 and three in the A-10. They're coming in to take on Dayton. Home sweet home, that's been the thing for women's basketball. It's just, you know, it's tough to beat UD at home. And in fact, since I started working for the Flyers as the officials replay guy, I think I've seen Dayton lose three times. And two of those losses were to top 10 teams in South Carolina and UConn. The other one was Green Bay, by the way. Yeah, Green Bay Phoenix of the Horizon League. I tell you, Green Bay's great. Like I said, that series against Wright State, that's going to be huge. But anyway, three games left, and I think UD, if they lose the three, then they'll go down to 11-3. and three. Right now, Fordham's three wins behind and two losses worse. But at the same time, just you know, focus on your business. The Davidson game is very winnable. St. Louis is very winnable at home. The Fordham game should be a fun one to watch. In fact, I want to check on something before we skip to men's basketball. Do they still have Bree Kavanaugh? 
She's a great basketball player for Fordham. Unless she graduated, then she was a great basketball player for Fordham. Let's pull that up. There's got to be a way to find out this, surely. But yeah, St. Louis Fordham, two of the three. That's a pretty tough way to close out the season. I think UD will get a chance to be the top seed in the A-10 for women's basketball. I hit standings again. Why did I do that? I want stats. I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm i failing on here. You know, that's one of the nice things about Hindenburg. I can just stop and just retape over it. I mean, I could have done that with Audacity, but it's, it's a lot easier. It reminds me of Adobe Audition using that in college. That was my favorite software. But it costs money, and I think you have to pay for it monthly nowadays, which, uh, no, not doing that. Let's look at the leaders. There's Anna DeWolf, who leads all with 22.1 games or 22.1 games per game. Points per game. <laughs> there is Harbison, who I thought graduated last year. Zia Harbison for St. Louis. She averages about 18 points a game, so that's definitely a player to stop for the Flyers this upcoming Saturday. Aaron Whalen leads the Flyers in scoring at 13.4 points per game. Definitely a great player, but there's so much balance on the Flyers. So definitely I'd say Whalen's the leader, and also she picked up her 1,000 point in a recent victory for UD, which that was awesome. I always love seeing, you know, when athletes, you know, do well like that. So is there any way for me just to find out if there's a player? Let's look at Fordham, Rhode Island from the seventh. And eventually it'll scroll down. And no, I guess Kavanaugh graduated. Okay. Well, hey, Fordham's still rocking. So that's pretty nice. And now we switch to men's basketball. Well, Fordham is not rocking. And in fact, I've seen several times on Twitter that whoever decides to take the Fordham job. Yeah, it's not it's not a great situation there, which is a shame. I mean, yeah, Fordham doesn't have the big shiny, you know, arena like UD has or St. Louis or any of the other schools. But you know, it's still a job. You know, you recruit, you get the team you want and maybe surprise some people. But no, I seriously seen like at least ten tweets. Why is it John Rothstein? Something like that? You mentioned, you know, just Fordham, Fordham, Fordham. They should, like, drop out of the A-10 and go to, like, the MAC, which is M-A-A-C. And then I see a joke that Fordham should go to the Horizon League and Wright State should take their place. <laughs> That's not happening. I can guarantee that. So the Dayton Flyers, it's been a tough year for UD. 7-6 and six in conference play, 11-7. And now the Flyers on a two-game losing streak. We mentioned, I'm not going to harp on the loss against Fordham. That was a tough loss. You move on. That's been over a month ago. A month and a half, precisely. The two losses, there's a lot of canceled and postponeds just in there. The last loss was a two-overtime loss to Rhode Island and Kingston, Rhode Island, 91-89. Rhode Island's pretty good. I will give them that. That's a tough loss. And then the Flyers had another tough loss against VCU. That was the night I went up to broadcast... Uh, Miami East at Troy Christian with Ron Russo. 
And listen, that was a great start for you know, UD. And then VCU took that away. A lot better of a result than the game at VCU where the Flyers lost 66-43. Like I said, it's been a tough year. And you know what? Maybe it's not this year. You can surprise people in the A-10 tournament still. But with the recruiting class that UD has coming in, I think they'll be back next year. No? I mean, sometimes you have to take your lumps. Is it any fun? No. But if you had a team that consistently won, is that really fun? By the way, VCU is on the top of the A-10 pyramid. 9-2 and are the Rams. 16-4 and overall. So yeah, VCU's got themselves a good program. Davidson, 6-2. and UMass, 6-2. and St. Bonaventure, 8-3. and By the way, Mark Schmidt has been rumored to be interested in the Boston College job. Mark Schmidt's been at St. Bonaventure for a long time. He was there when I was at Wright State still. Wright State, St. Bonaventure. That was a fun series. Anyway, Bonnie's 8-3. and St. Louis, 4-2. and Richmond, 4-3. and Duquesne, 6-5. and Dayton, 7-6. and Rhode Island, 7-8. and George Mason, 5-6. and George Washington, 2-3. and LaSalle, 5-10. and Fordham, 2-11. and and St. Joseph's 0-9. Man, St. Joseph's. This is getting rid of the longtime coach. It just... Mm. Who's that second win? LaSalle. Okay. That's not bad. But that's your look on the Dayton Flyers. Like I said, I still think, you know, maybe make some noise in the tournament, regroup. But, you know, sometimes tough years happen. And now we get us some action, which is for the Mid-American Conference, not for the Big Mac. So let's look. Wow, they're talking about soccer. That's nice. Let's look at, okay, we'll start with men's basketball because I clicked on the wrong thing. I apologize. If I can find the standings, I can tell you Toledo's on top and Bowling Green has fallen Pretty far. Was Toledo Bowling Green the last time I checked? At least I thought it was. Toledo is 12-3 and and 17-6 and overall. That's a pretty good Rockets program by Coach uh, Kowalczyk. You got Akron 11-3, Kent State 10-4, and Ohio 7-4 and with Buffalo. Bowling Green 8-7, and Miami 5-7 and with Ball State. Western Michigan 3-9, and Central Michigan 2-9, and Eastern Michigan 1-7, and and Northern Illinois 1-8. Let's look at Miami. 8-9 and nine overall is Jack Owens, Red Hawks. And Miami has lost two in a row. They're scheduled to visit Northern Illinois Saturday at 3.30. Looking to snap a four-game losing streak. Last win for Miami was January 30th against Western Michigan at home, 65-56. Since then, a couple road losses. To Kent State, 77-68 at Buffalo. That's the last broadcast I listened to, 88-64 Bulls. Then Akron, 83-76. Close battle there with a top team in the MAC. And then losing at Toledo, 87-75. A little bit further away than the Akron one, but still, on the road. I mean, that's not, that's not bad. I mean, it's not great, but hey, you know, it's not a ginormous blowout. Miami... Still has, I mentioned Northern Illinois at NIU this Saturday. At Central Michigan next week with Western Michigan too. 
hosting Kent State, then at Bowling Green and Akron. So yeah, only one home match left for the Miami Red Hawks. And now we look at the women's side for the Hawks in Oxford, Ohio. Millette Hall is the home of Miami University basketball, both men's and women's. Chick Lugwood always calls it like the biggest living room or what, what was the official phrase? I don't know. I will say Bowling Green and a team that scrolled on by too quick, Central Michigan, have already clinched trips to Cleveland. That's the place where the MAC has their basketball tournaments at Rocket Mortgage. It's still so dirty saying Rocket Mortgage. Should just be the Q. It's easier. Bowling Green 12-3. and The Falcons lead the women's basketball table, followed by 9-3 Northern Illinois, 11-5 and Central Michigan, and 10-5 and Ohio. Followed by 8-5 Buffalo, 9-6 Ball State, 6-4 Eastern Michigan and Kent State. Toledo 5-10, Western Michigan 3-12, Akron 2-12, and and Miami 2-14. Tough year for the Red Hawk women. The last win, actually it was the last game at Toledo. Red Hawks picked up a 62-60 win at Toledo and are set to host Akron on the 24th. A home game against Akron, a home game against Kent State, then two on the road at Buffalo and OU. Before that win at Toledo, the last win for the Red Hawks was the third of this month. So that is a two and three month for Miami in February. 73-64 at home against Western Michigan. But before that, Miami lost. I'm going to say that is about what... Nine, ten conference games? So yeah, tough start and a tough season for the Red Hawks sitting in last place in the MAC in women's basketball. Now we'll talk about the Big East. We'll start with the Xavier Musketeers first. If you've ever wondered why I go in this order, it's just because I can. Being a Wright State alum, you know, I talk about Wright State, so... That's why. I thought about doing alphabetically, but I'm like, nah. And then I'm going to mess something up. Like, I'm going to put, like, I don't know, Miami ahead of Dayton. And it's like, everyone thinks I'm stupid. Why would I want that? We'll start with women's basketball this time. Instead of doing the mishap that happened on the Mac. <clears throat> Sorry. Would you believe that UConn is on top of the Big East? It's like the Huskies never, ever stop just winning. I I know that sounded really unenthusiastic, but just UConn, just they never stop. It's just seventeen and one UConn, fourteen and zero in the Big East. It's Xavier's problem now. It's no longer UC's. DePaul ten and two, Marquette eleven and three, Villanova seven and three, Seton Hall eight and five, Creighton five and five, Providence four and six, St. John's three and ten, Xavier one and five. Georgetown 1-12, Butler 1-14. See Butler fall that far. They were good in the Horizon League. Maybe not take the crown away from Green Bay good, but, you know, they weren't slouches. 1-14. Let's look at the Xavier Musketeers. Like I mentioned, 1-5. I'm trying to think. Did they call off the season? No, because the Musketeers played at DePaul and lost 83-75. Really close battle. DePaul's normally ranked, too, so that's not bad. Oh, by the way, what was the last game before that? 
January 23rd at Seton Hall, where Seton Hall won 85-59. What's next for Xavier? UConn, Saturday at 3. But it's in Cincinnati, so there you go. Then at Butler, hosting Seton Hall and Georgetown to close out the year. And that Seton Hall game is not listed as a conference game. Is it because they've already played twice? Must be. No? Huh. Okay. The conference win was at home against Providence College, 64-50. And the Musketeers have suffered conference losses to UConn, 106-59 at UConn. Marquette at home, 69-56. And Creighton, 53-50. So, a tough year for the Musketeers, but they're getting better. I mean, there's some close losses in there. And no, I'm not going to mention about UConn. UConn is UConn. You beat UConn, you should just get the title. Full stop. That's that's a fantastic win. I mean, you could finish the rest of the year winless and just like we beat UConn. Okay, you're in the you're in the tournament. I'm sure that's how that works. But you get what I'm saying. And now we move on to basketball. Xavier Musketeers, they are four and four and eleven and four overall. Yeah, COVID's not been kind to the Musketeers this year. Plenty. Of, I mean, okay, COVID has not been kind to Cincinnati, Ohio. Let's say that Bearcats have had long stretches. Xavier's had long stretches. It's just like they, like here you take COVID. No, we don't want it. You know, it's passing back and forth. And I don't know that's probably not the greatest thing to make a joke about that. But yeah, if you've been trying to follow college basketball in Cincinnati between UC and Xavier. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of action to talk about, has there? Again, Musketeers 4-4. Four and four. Who's leading the Big East? Villanova, 8-2 by winning percentage. Five percentage points better than Creighton, who's 12-4. Seton Hall, 10-5. UConn, 7-5. The men's basketball Huskies might be on the up and up again. St. John's, 8-7. There's Xavier at 4-4. Four four. Providence, 7-9. Marquette, 7-10. Butler, 6-10. Georgetown four and seven, DePaul one and eleven. Let's see what Xavier got next. I, I tell you, I, I don't. If you work for a school and you have that many COVID breaks, it's tough. I know it's tough on the players, but it's tough on the staff as well. It just it hasn't been kind in Cincinnati. Let's say that the Musketeers have lost two in a row. They lost. At home to UConn the day before Valentine's Day, 80-72. And at St. John's, 93-84, which I believe that snapped a 10-game winning streak against St. John's and the Red Storm. What's up next? Well, Sunday, Butler's in town at the Cintas Center. Sunday night game. Interesting. I mean, no football, but interesting Sunday night. And then the Musketeers go to Providence, host Creighton, and go to Georgetown and Marquette to close out the year. Conference wins against Butler on the road, Providence at home, St. John's at home, losses to Seton Hall at home, Creighton on the road, also a conference win against Marquette at home. And that is your Xavier Musketeers. Let's go to the American Athletic Conference, which just pulled up American. Thanks for that, Google, for making me feel like an idiot. 
now let's go to the American.org. Why can I never remember that? I don't know. You ever get, you ever follow like a local conference and then it's like, what's the site? I mean, most of them are pretty, you know, standard, but I don't know. Let's look at women's basketball for UC. The Bearcats, 3-11 in conference play, 4-14 overall. That's, that's, that's a shame, because last year, the Bearcats were battling for top spot, but, you know, UConn's in the way. Now it's USF and UCF on top, with Houston not far behind. And there are a couple of... Ah! There's a couple of... Uh, Little dashes in there. It's talking about forfeit win for USF against Memphis. It's not played. The overall records are not affected. Okay. So USF 9-0. and UCF 9-1. and Followed by Houston 9-4. and Tulane 10-5. and Temple 9-5. and East Carolina 4-8. and Tulsa 4 and 10, Memphis 2 and 7, Cincinnati 3 and 11, Wichita State 1 and 7, and SMU hasn't played since their second conference game. They closed down the shop thanks to COVID. For Cincinnati, their last game, you have to go back to the 17th. So it's been a little bit. An overtime loss at USF. 69-65. Not a bad battle. And then the Bearcats fell 70-51 at home to UCF. USF is South Florida in the Bulls. UCF is Central Florida. I thought they were the Golden Knights. They might just be Knights. I don't know. So what's next? Well, one home game left for the women Bearcats. They host Houston. And then three road trips to East Carolina, Tulsa, and back to U of H. Now we look at men's basketball. Bearcats starting to pick up a roll. That's now, what, four in a row? It's been nice to hear the changes. And with those four wins in a row, Cincinnati now catapults themselves to fifth place. They were at the bottom of the standings. Houston leads all 11-2. Wichita State 8-2. Memphis 8-3. SMU seven and four. There's Cincinnati at five and four. Tulsa seven and seven. UCF five and ten. Tulane four and eight. USF three and six. Temple three and nine. East Carolina two and eight. And like I said, four straight wins. I think this team is finally starting to gel. I know the Bearcats have had a tough go about with COVID as well, and several players opting out, which I don't fault them one bit. I know that's been a big topic. Like, oh, they quit on their team. No, they didn't quit on their team. They don't want to catch COVID. You want to catch COVID? I don't want to catch it, but another topic for another episode, especially since this episode's already an hour 15 in. Oh, my goodness. Let's pick it up. So the Bearcats, they edged off UCF 69-68. That's a game I was listening to on the way home from... Where was I coming from? Is that at home? I guess I was at home. I was listening to it. Yeah, it was coming home from the mall because I picked up face masks. Fun story about that, I might tell you. 69-68, Bearcats won it. They also come off a home win against Temple, 71-69. A win in New Orleans, 64-61 against Tulane. And a 63-60 win at Temple. And that catapulted the four straight wins. 
And that was a game where the Bearcats had to rely on several walk-on players because several scholarship players weren't available. When you get that type of production, holding against a pretty good Temple team like that, yeah. I mean, season's not over by any stretch. Bearcats have three home games left and three road games. They're at Houston 21st at Tulsa before coming home on the 26th against Tulane. And that is college basketball wind down. We got March Nat in this not too far away conference tournaments. We'll talk about those. It's great to be a fan of local sports in Southwest Ohio. Hey, are you cold from shoveling all that snow and driving in it and worried about the 20 inches of snow we were supposed to get? Well, I can point you to the Tee Public and Redbubble shops, which, by the way, on Tee Public, there's a brand new updated logo. And it looks much sharper on merchandise. I suggest visiting there, sindaypod.com, and then click on Shop. So, let's talk about spring, because that's supposed to happen. And it will happen soon. I know it will. It's just going to take a long time. And by the way, I know it is a long, long episode. But hey, when you talk this much local sports, you need all the time, don't you? Yes, you do. That's a trick question. We're going to start off with the Dayton Dragons releasing the 2021 schedule. And it is a little bit different. By a little bit different, I mean there's 120 games instead of your normal 140. And remember how I told you about how the Midwest League was going to look different? Apparently it's not called the Midwest League anymore. Apparently it's called High A... Oh, I should have looked that up. High A East? Something like that? It's something stupid. And I think the name change is ridiculous, dumb, and a poor taste of judgment. So let's look. By the way, 20 less games. High A Central League. Yeah, it just rolls right off your tongue, doesn't it? I can just barf. Anyway, 120 games instead of your normal 140, meaning there's 60 home games at Day Air Ballpark for the Dragons. And it's a different-looking schedule. You know how I know? Because there's now six-game series. That's right. The majority of the series, in fact, I think all of them, are six days straight. No Monday games, unless it's made up. But right now, there's no Monday games. And you will see the same opponent Tuesday through Sunday. Now, I know, we're missing Dragons baseball. I miss it. You miss it, and everyone misses it. But things are going to be a little different. I mentioned high A should be a little bit better quality. Uh, I don't want to say that. That just sounds rude. A little bit higher quality of players. You know, they're built with like robotic arms and everything, and they just can throw fastballs at 200 miles per hour. You get what I'm saying. But it's going to be a little different. And the first home foe for the Dayton Dragons will be. May 11th through May 16th against the Lansing Lugnuts, now the Oakland Athletics Farm Club. The first series will be at Great Lakes for six games at Dow Diamond in Midland, Michigan on May the 4th. Yes, I said May. Normally, minor league baseball starts in April when it's still snowing. Not the case this time round. 
So the Dragons will begin their first of 60 home games on May 11th. They got Lansing on the 25th of the same month. Six straight against Quad Cities. Not going to see a lot of interleague changing. In fact, in this high A Central League in the Eastern Division, you will see Dayton, of course, Lake County, Fort Wayne, Great Lakes, Lansing, West Michigan. Notice how I didn't say South Bend. They're now in the West. I believe South Bend kind of takes the place of Kane County and everyone. There's only 12 teams. And there's not a lot of cross-division play. I mentioned Quad Cities is one, but that's kind of it. I'm double-checking the schedule on. Nope, I'm wrong. They're at South Bend for six. That's the thing. I, I looked at South Bend. It's like, oh, they're, they're part of Midwest League Eastern Division. No, they're in the west of the High A Central League. Ugh. I will say, DaytonDragons.com, or find the schedule on Twitter. That's where I shared it. Six straight games. So, pretty much, unless teams go for six starters, which I don't know why you would, you're going to see a starting pitcher twice. The Unless there's call-ups, injuries, or call-downs, you're going to see the starter on Tuesday pitch again on Sunday. And that's getaway day. Man, six straight days in the same place. It is a little bit different. But again, if this means we get ball from this, then I'm fine with it. It's just something weird about it. Like I mentioned, there's a series at South Bend and a series at home against Quad Cities. That's it. No Beloit, no Cedar Rapids, no Peoria, no Wisconsin. That's it. That's your cross division. That is it. And the rest of the series will be against Fort Wayne, Great Lakes, Lake County, Lansing, and West Michigan. So yeah, go ahead and check out all those at DaytonDragons.com. And while you're there at DaytonDragons.com, don't forget to look at the high school baseball schedule. 16th season of high school ball. First one at Day Air Ballpark. Previous 15 was at Fifth Third Field. See what I did there? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. So... You go to DaytonDragons.com, same site, and go to Schedule, then click on 2021 High School Baseball, and you can see from that list, wow, there's a lot of teams, and I am ecstatic. In fact, I just noticed May 11th, May 12th, and May 13th have games scheduled. That's not going to fly because of the fact the Dragons play that night, unless you get them in before, but I don't know if that's an option or not. So not only do you have your normal assortment of local Dayton area schools and a little mix of Cincinnati, you got a larger mix of Cincinnati area schools and plus Eastern Illinois is in the mix. Illinois. Indiana's in the mix. You know, one of those states out to the west. I can't believe I said that. Ugh. Anyway, Eastern Indiana schools like Richmond. The Red Devils get to play there, which I always thought, why aren't they given a shot? Did they not know or do they not get invited? I don't know. But it's nice to see Richmond on there. As well, Monroe Central is the school to take on Richmond. However, that's on the day where the Dragons have a game. So I think this list is going to be changed. I see Miamisburg, Middletown, Valley View, Springboro, Twin Valley South listed as Twin Valley. Uh, Wyoming High School in Cincinnati. There's Hagerstown, West Liberty Salem, Franklin Monroe, Ansonia, Arcanum. Got Fairborn, Edgewood, 
Dixie, Preble Shawnee, Wilmington, East Clinton, Eaton, Tri-County North, Fairfield, Clinton, Massey, Northmont, Franklin. I'm pretty sure that's all but trail, national trail, getting to play at Day Air Ballpark. And there's something that I've never seen happen before. There is a day where you have the JV and freshman teams playing before the varsity. It's normally just varsity, and that's it. Because, you know, you have so many teams and you have a finite time to schedule everything together. Centerville's JV slash freshman team will take on Harrison's team before the varsities play later that night. I think that's a pretty nice touch. I don't know how much we're going to see of it, but yeah. So, high school baseball coming back to Day Air Ballpark. I am excited. And I should be working a lot of those games. And finally, we talk about the Champion City Kings. My first year of broadcasting from I Can't Wait to Get Started. There's a ton of games. Go to prospectleague.com and you can look at the master schedule with all the eight teams. Something I've noticed is the fact that no West versus East. If you're in the Eastern Division, depending on what part of the Eastern Division you're on, you'll see those opponents more. But no West versus East. You'll have to wait until the Prospect League Championship for that. So... Champion City gets underway May 27th at 635. Most home games are 635 in Springfield. Whereas the Sunday games are now, what is it, 405? I think it's 405. Yeah, 405. There we go. I remember correctly. There's a couple of uh, designated, designated hitters. There are a couple of designated hitters in the Prospect League. Double headers. <laughs> There's a couple of designated hitters. <laughs> Oh, I'm tired. Leave me alone. Anyway, Champion City schedule will begin May 27th at Carlton Davidson Stadium, also the home of the Wittenberg Tigers program in Springfield, and yours truly will be broadcasting. So definitely looking forward to getting that underway. If we have more time in this podcast, we'll tell you day by day, but you can go to those sites. Baseball is now on the agenda. I can't wait. And hopefully all the snow goes away, too. And the last two topics to cover tonight are both happening in Cincinnati, Ohio, U.S. of A. My favorite city. I love Dayton. I always represent Dayton with the highest class I can, but Cincinnati's where my heart is. So, first off, we'll talk about the Cincinnati Reds. Their season's supposed to be starting. In fact, pitchers and catchers reported, what was it, yesterday? So... Yay, spring training soon, which we'll talk more about that later. But you can welcome in a new broadcaster to the TV crew, which personally, I don't get Fox Sports Ohio, Bally Sports Ohio, whatever, it's going to change that name. God, that's just... Anyway. And no, it's not based on the gym. It's based on the casinos of the same name. Yeah, I didn't realize Bally was in casinos. I always knew him as Bally Fitness, but there you go. Barry Larkin, the last Red to have the Captain C on his jersey, is joining the television crew for the Cincinnati Reds. This is from MLB.com. Mark Sheldon has wrote it, and he mentions that the former Red shortstop and Hall of Famer Barry Larkin is joining the TV broadcast on Fox Sports Ohio, and that was announced on Tuesday. 
He'll be part of the rotation of analysts, which includes Chris Welsh and Jeff Brantley, and joined by first-year TV voice of the Reds, John Sadak. Pretty nice career for John Sadak. Uh, the last stop he had was the New York Mets. And just reading his tale, I, I if I had Fox Sports Ohio or Bally Sports Ohio, I'd definitely watch more of those. Uh, just last few years listening to radio, I mean, if ba- if Brantley's calling the play-by-play, fine. But, yeah, it, it, and everyone likes Tommy Thrawn. I'm just, I'm, I'm not a big fan, but that's just me. So, Barry Larkin, the new TV booth voice. Jim Day will be back for his 20th season as a sideline reporter. There are a couple of names that are cut off. Brian Bacoro is one of the big names. They also got rid of Danny Graves and uh, Flynn, Doug Flynn, which, nah. Uh, Jeff Brantley is my favorite color commentator to listen to for Reds. That's just me. You can have your taste on it. So, yeah, the Reds picked up a shortstop, just not in the right place. Oh, I seriously question what the Reds' plans are for shortstop. I mean, I, I have to feel like Jose Garcia is going to get the nod. I mean, yeah, I think he can do a little bit more seasoning in the minors before going back up Cincinnati, but we'll see. Barry Larkin will be representing the Reds on TV. Incidentally, his brother, Brian Larkin, is the color commentator for Xavier men's basketball games on radio. Byron Larkin, and I think he does a really nice job with Joe Sunderman. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. And also, uh, Sadak was announced as the new TV play-by-play voice on February 4th. So it's been a little bit, but yeah. Isn't that awesome? We get Barry Larkin on TV. I kind of wish he'd get some radio opportunities too, but beggars can't be choosers. And finally, to wrap up this episode, because it's over an hour and a half now, at least they think it's closing in on that, there's going to be a new USL League 2 team in Cincinnati. Looks like the Cincinnati Dutch Lions are no more. And that makes me a little bit sad. I mean, yeah, make your jokes. There's two Dutch Lions teams in Cincinnati and Dayton, and they're not really... Related anymore. Once once I f- first started with the Dutch Lions, they were, but they grew apart, and there was an ownership in Cincinnati that ran the Dutch Lions. They also ran a bunch of restaurants, too. Well, I don't need to tell you, COVID has wrecked a lot of things, and that is one of them. So, unfortunately, it looks like it's the end of the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. But... There was a new USL League 2 team coming into Cincinnati. However, I don't have much news for you at all. It's going to be announced tomorrow on the 19th. It's either I get to it before it happens, or I wait about three weeks. It's like, oh, hey, did you hear, by the way? Oh, you did? Well, fooey on me. But, so tomorrow, Friday, the Cincinnati area is going to get a new USL League 2 team to battle against Dayton and the others. And whatever that conference is, I, I miss I miss my normal routine. But that is brought to you by Cincy Soccer Talk. Like I mentioned in previous episodes, I think everyone on Cincy Soccer Talk does a wonderful job. 
And I definitely look forward to hearing about it. And there's the USL League 2 tweet talking about something about the UC State. It's not the Buckeye State. It's the UC State. Get over it. So that will do it. That's episode 204, and everything has been covered. Wowee. What an episode. An hour and a half of local sports. I mean, there should be 15 hours of it each week, but you know, there's the hard-fought questions like, is this a blockbuster thing? Or no, it's not, because I don't know about, how about Ohio State? Let's talk about Ohio State. And then let's talk about James Harden and his trade for like three months on end. Seriously, didn't that happen last month? And we're still talking about it? Why? Oh, I'm sorry. I meant... You know, Zoom, if you want to make that louder, I, I'm fine with that. You get two for the price of none. And that will close out 204. On next week's episode, episode 205, well, we're going to switch it up. We're not going to talk about local sports. No, I'm only kidding. We're going to talk about local sports. We're going to talk about the new USL League 2 team in Cincinnati and how they fit long in Ohio and the conference they're going to be joining. And we're going to talk a little bit more as this is your source of local sports. Don't bother listening to Dayton Radio. You got it on the local Sunday Sports Podcast. And this is Lee W. Mound signing off on episode 204 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. Be sure and bookmark SindayPod.com, the official website of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. From there, you can find your favorite way of listening to future episodes on platforms such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, TuneIn, Pandora, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and more. You can also find the Redbubble and Tee Public shops there too, where all podcast merchandise purchases go to help the podcaster. Follow on social media at Sunday Pod and the Lead W Mowen on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This closing theme was created with the Splash app. This is Lee W Mowen saying thank you again for listening, and we'll talk more local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports next time.